1: I'm Brian, and we're back with another episode of the Stream Close-Up Podcast, and you know what that means? That means we've been renewed for a second season. Yeah! And that's all thanks to you guys who tuned in during season one. Uh, We really appreciate everyone who's been following the show. We had a great time doing it, and because you guys are enjoying it, we're going to keep doing it, and uh, we're going to try to up our game this season. We're going to try to come at you every Thursday with a new episode. So a little more frequency to what we're doing here. But please do keep in mind that everyone responsible for bringing you this show does have a day job. So give us a little slack if we miss one. But we'll do our best over the next 10 weeks or so to come at you with something fresh every Thursday. God, it's good to be back. Let's do the thing. Our guest this week is producer Suzanne Bielberg-Reedholm. She's had a hand in or been responsible for an amazing number of high-quality film and TV productions, not to mention an iconic TV ad that we'll talk about. Uh, she's worked as a producer on TV series like Dead Brenner, Papa Police, and Laser Manin, among others. Her latest project, Vår Arnu*, or The Restaurant, as it's called in English, was just awarded a well-deserved Swedish Emmy as the TV Drama of the Year. Among other films... Suzanne produced the Dragon Tattoo trilogy based on the Stig Larsen novels. Uh, those were later remade by Hollywood. We'll talk about all of this and learn about Suzanne's interesting journey from New Zealand Jillaroo to award-winning producer and all-around cool lady. In for her stream close-up, Suzanne Bilberg-Reedholm. Hit it, Jose! Welcome to the studio, Suzanne Bilberg-Reedholm. Thank you. That, nice to join. Thanks for joining us. We're really happy to have you here. Um, many of you might not be familiar with Suzanne by name, but you've almost certainly seen some of her work. Suzanne is a producer who's worked on some of the biggest franchises in Swedish film history, I would have to say. Uh, the Stig Larson collection, among other things. Uh, She's here to tell us a little bit about her journey, what it means to be a producer, how she became, uh, went from a line producer to a producer of these massive hits, and uh, how she traveled around the world, and that influenced who she is now. Welcome to the studio, Suzanne.
2: Thank you, thank you.
1: Can you start with your, your, you hinted that you've been around the world.
2: Yeah, this is ages ago. This is Back in the 80s late, 80s, late 80s, but I did this trip for like two years around the world uh, and uh, I didn't leave Sweden with a lot of money so I had to stop and work in all places and one of the places that I stayed long, the longest time at was in New Zealand. Uh, before that, I went to Australia and I worked there as a gillaroo. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Something
1: to do with kangaroos? Cowgirl. <laughs> Cowgirl. Jilleroo. Okay. Cow.
2: Jilleroo G- is the female. Jackaroo is the male okay. and Stockman is the boss of it. So anyway, I became really friendly there with uh, all the uh, guys working there and... Uh, these aboriginal abrig- guys they said that you have to come to this island and, and 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 travel with us and you know they were like my brothers we were like brothers and sisters so anyway to make a long story short start, on this trip around the world i met these fantastic people among the others uh, the the stockmen or the jackaroos in australia and on my way back home, I just thought, you know, I have to go back and make documentaries. So I wanted to get into the film business. I was, and...
1: was going to ask, are you thinking about their stories already? Are you, are you taking any pictures? or?
2: I took a lot of pictures. So I, I really wanted to go back. To all these different places and i should have but i haven't yet but um so when i get got home i i looked through all these uh, production companies i called the sf and uh, they said it's really hard to get into this business you would be a lucky girl if you get in and blah, blah blah you need to have a connection somehow and i didn't have any connections at all but i just you know took a copy of of the phone book of all the production companies and just you know sent letters at the time uh mm-hmm. called them and and followed up and um but eventually i got uh, um i got a hit or whatever you call it i got a connection with penguin films penguin mm-hmm. and this is this is uh late eighty nine this is nineties the nineties i think. Early 90s, uh, and they were looking for someone who could help them as a production assistant. But
1: before we go further, commercials. When when you before you took the trip, did mm-hmm. you have this idea in mind that you wanted to be a storyteller, or did that spark your desire to do this? That you that th- sparked. Okay, and you thought first, oh, I see a documentary here that I want to make. Yeah
2: after meeting all these people I tra- since I travelled on my own I always met people I mean I didn't have anyone else to talk to so I had to talk to the locals and that's what I really aimed for on my trip to not to be a backpacker and just go on different backpackers places I tried to stay with locals and small and work my way around just to meet the locals because that's the point. Otherwise, you know, you just meet other
1: not be a tourist, but dig in a little bit. Yeah, the yeah.
2: No, no offense to people that are backpacking. That's good too. But for me, it was much better to sort of meet the people that lived in the place or in the country.
1: Can I ask? I guess you're just out of school at this point.
2: Uh, hang on now. No, I worked in the hotel business hotel, for a while. In hotel business. And, yeah. and,
1: and what? What's your background? What did you study when you were at school?
2: I didn't study for very long. (laughs) I have worked my way up, uh, learning by doing. I I went to the ninth grade, which you do in compulsory in Sweden. Then I took the shortest gymnasium as you can ever take, which is uh, Tvåårig social linje. Mm -hmm. At that gymnasium, you will find people that are really lazy. Or you will find people that want to study to a doctor really quickly because they can take those two years, that can, then you can just add the math and the physics. So it was like, and here I was in the middle of the lazy one and the doctors, people, and, and I was a sport nerd at that time. I was just playing soccer and handball and skiing.
1: And I guess no one was teaching any film classes. And that's no, amazing either. so I
2: was in the middle there, a bit lost. But I did those two years, then I just started to work at the hotel business, uh, which I worked with for like seven years. I started that when I was quite young. I traveled to um, to Scotland from when I was 13 years old uh, during summer times, uh, just for a few weeks or so every summer to, to start to learn English. So I used to speak with a broad Scottish accent. Thank God you've it's, gotten me It's gone that. now. No, yeah, I got totally wiped out when I went to the States. I was so sad. I had this really nice Scottish accent, but it's gone.
1: I get some, spend some time there. It'll come back, I'm sure.
2: Yeah. So, right. so,
1: so the people at Penguin recognize you as someone who's got some drive or some talent.
2: Yeah, they, they said after a while, they said, well, this... Um, I had this paper from the from the cowboy station in Australia where it said that I was, you know, mustering cows and castrating bulls and rounding up uh, cows, and they said that was the thing that they sort of, you know. <laughs> put their eye on and, and said, we have to meet this crazy girl.
1: What were they having trouble with their talent? I,
2: I don't know. There was just that. They they said we needed a strong one. And actually they were looking for the guy, they said, but then said, oh here's a girl. She seems to be strong and not being scared of getting dirt under her fingernails. As a saying in Swedish. I don't know if you say it in English sure, too. Sure. Yeah. So why so, uh, they called me in for interview and and you know we just clicked and then I was there with them from ninety to ninety six, I think, yeah. Working
1: on what kind of projects? What were you doing for them?
2: I just started off carrying stuff, fixing stuff, being an assistant on on set and being assistant at the office and
1: when you say on set are you talking about T V productions, film productions, commercials, music videos, okay.
2: And in the '90s, we did. There were so many commercials. They just started up, you know, with uh, MTG here and and mm. and also uh, TV4. The whole commercial yeah, spectrum it exploded. Mm. Then, so I mean, it was you know at that point. I don't know if you're allowed to say it here, but you got about three million Swedish crowns for a thirty-second commercial. It was crazy. All this money that we had, you know, I, ooh, It's really hysterical. Uh, Anyway, it was a good planned school.
1: Also, it's generated some amazing talent, I think. That phenomenon has created some great directors who've gone on to do great things, starting with the commercial work.
2: DOPs as well.
1: It's a a real... um, I don't know what to say here. A real...
2: it's a plan school. It's, it's a plant
1: school, but it's also sort of a, a moment that came together to sort of create this synergy. And I see a parallel to what's happening now with all the streaming services that mm-hmm. have popped up that sort of create all this opportunity for people to go who are creative with their yeah. output. That you know, more more windows that we didn't have before. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, so you're working at Penguin. You're doing everything that's mm-hmm. required of you, and you're learning as you go. I mm-hmm. imagine.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I, I quite quickly went, I, I, what I did was I actually wanted to be a photographer, uh, D.O.P. or uh, uh, that's why I wanted to go back and do those documentaries for so that's what I aim for. So at the same time I studied at Stockholm's Film School. Mm-hmm. But after a year, I had so much work at Penguin Films, so there was no chance that I could finish off school, which was sad for a while. But I I had my job and, you know, it was just straight up. I went from an assistant to a production manager quite quickly. Um, We really clicked on on Penguin Films. It feels Uh,
1: like it was the right school for you at the end of the day.
2: It was. It was. Yeah, it was. So would would you
1: would you be able to name anything that people would remember from your time at Penguin that you worked on any campaigns? Or... Yeah, uh,
2: there was one I think nearly everyone uh, or people in, in uh, that watch commercials at that time could remember. It's one with Paul Rammel and it's called Two Holes in the Wall. Uh,
1: to to a Holy again. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's oh, that was a huge campaign.
2: Yeah, the, and it yeah. was kind of the long, one of the longest commercials at that at the time. Um, so one minute. It was a very long anyway. I can't remember now. I was. I'm really proud of that commercial. No, I'm not so proud of all the commercials, but but uh, that one I am. It's. it's uh,
1: you have to. You know. You have to get your ten thousand hours somewhere.
2: Yeah. <laughs> And it was fun to work with Pavel Rammel too. You know, we w- went home to his place, and it was like, you know, you were really sort of moved by meeting him. It was it was great, Swedish cultural
1: icon. Yeah, for sure.
2: Uh, fantastic. fantastic. Two holes right. in the wall. Yeah. Anything uh, else? For commercials, uh, maybe. Quite a I I remember that one. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, well, well. Du kan suga som en galning efter
2: smuts i ditt palats Utan hål i apparaten byter smutsen bara plats
0: Du kan tjata, vädja men du tonar knappast fram Som den slugare bland frugare avsukare Så om mig
2: var
0: var är den vänner?
2: Ser ni hålen vänner? Undrar någon skräck jag känner var, var var
0: Jag frågar
2: var är hålen broder? Visa hålen sist Kärnan ska vara i skalet, i det galet, utan håll Halleluja
0: Du är nitisk i ditt yrke, har en ambition att stål Men din framgång kräver tillgång till en särskild typ av håll Människan blir trots ett par ögon, sänder öron och ett svalg Min det lysande bestulen gå sin nysande tärg Så
2: säg nej på far i Ser i hålen vänner undran och skräck. jag känner Var, var, var,
0: mig undras
2: Var i hålen bröder? Pass, pass på hålen, syster, lyckor, vara möjligt El är löjligt, utan hål El är
0: inte bra, Ingenting att ha, utan hål Bara fel, utan hål Ingen el, utan hål Var de sex? Hey. Nej, var
2: dom torf, hundratre? Nej,
0: nej, nej, två tysta snälla hål. Satt dom glist, nej, nej, tog dom runt. dom strunt?
2: två viktiga små hål. Vi var är hålen vänder? Ser i hålen vänder? Var är hålen vänder? Var är hålen
1: so, so Penguin. Then you put in your time. You've done your whatever thousand hours there. Yeah. Do you move from there to Jaworski right away?
2: No, I was kind of a freelancer for a while, a little while, and uh, then I, I.
1: Can I can I ask what is that experience like? Is it is it? I mean, how much time is spent chasing work versus doing work? I think yeah. this is also an interesting question for actors as well.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't chase so much work. I had, I was lucky. I got called up. The, th- the problem with we was, me, me was, was that I was couldn't say no. I was scared to say no because then you wouldn't might not get more jobs. So, so I was saying yes all the time. So I was actually working too much at that time, and also building a family at the same time. It was like, yeah, it was a little bit too much. So, so I. So, you're
1: being called in as a line producer on projects, or
2: I was at that time, I was I was working as a producer for producer. commercials. Yeah, uh,
1: can you can you explain a little bit about what the distinction is between a line producer and a producer?
2: I don't think there is any line producer in the commercials. There, there would be producers and production managers. It's too small mm. project. Um,
1: from a film perspective. From then?
2: a film perspective, or from. From what i'm working now mm-hmm. i can say from the one I work, because that, that's a, that's a big one it's not always that you have a line producer you can combine with different you know uh you can be a it depends how what kind of producer you are uh the way i am the way i work since i work my way up i know the whole you know different uh, i could easily work only with the production manager if the project is not too big if it's like a just a um a movie but like a big project like that I'm working on now. Name it so people know we're
1: talking. And it is a big project. <laughs> Killer ratings, getting a million and a half people every Monday night on SVT. Congratulations.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, on that one, that's such a big project. So, on that one, which is, you know, we're, we were making two seasons back to back. So, and um, that is 20 episodes. So, what I'm. What I'm working with now is is that I have a line producer and a production manager for each block. So uh, we and we, we we like a season, we put them in blocks. So it's four, it's um, we can divide them differently. But the first one was divided four four two. Yeah, so each production manager take their own block um, and and I also work together with a post production producer. Uh, you need a, sort of a bigger team when it when you make so many episodes at the same time, and the difference—it's hard to say. It's 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 actually uh, depends what kind of producer you are. If you are a producer that cannot that don't, you see, there are producers that comes from what the way I come from that sort of grows up in the business, and there are producers that come from the sides that you know uh, uh, doing script or whatever you can sprungen ur. Du kan vara sprungen i olika världar. You can you can uh, um, run in different lanes, yeah. Yeah, and and those one may cannot maybe cannot calculate or 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 uh, do the counting and or sort of uh, the budget side. Yeah, budget or or or, or even uh, uh, what häter det? Um, Sorry. yeah, plan the whole production. It's it's and they the for sure project management. Yeah, project manager. they for sure need the line producer or a production manager. So so it's all. It's hard to say what are a producer, what are a line producer, because they are they are from different worlds from the beginning. So and, and
1: how they relate to each other and the needs of the specific yeah. project. Okay. Yeah,
2: yeah, okay. yeah. So it's it's hard to say. But if I would go. Uh, in my eyes in my opinion a producer uh should be able to calculate and budget and, and you know have the oversight. uh so he the person can have control uh then he can depending on how big the project is you you uh you you will have a line producer together with you and a production manager but if you are working on like a like a, a feature film it would be good enough to have a producer and a production manager, but it's all all different, and also budget-wise. I mean, you want to, you want the money to go as much as possible to what you see in the television. Exactly. So I you shouldn't overload the on the screen. Yeah you, say, so yeah, you don't want to overload with production people either. You just need to have the ones so you can. Keep it all together in a good way.
1: Keep it moving. Yeah. (laughs) Keep it moving. Uh, I wanna come back to Vartira Nu, do this a little bit chronologically because there's a lot I'd like to unwrap there. Mm. Um if we roll back then a little bit earlier in your career, Mm. when you took your first production credits for was it the Laura Trenter books? The projects. Yeah. Were you an independent producer at that time or were you
2: I was with Jarovsky. So I was very shortly a freelancer I was going to say that I was very shortly working as a freelancer and I had my eyes on Jarofsky because they had a really good rumor of being in this happy production company with the role of Solman he was the boss at that time. He was the um, yeah. He started the production company, so he had they, they had this uh, rumor or this happy uh, aura around them that they were the happy production companies. And what were
1: they producing before you they, joined them that made you interested?
2: They were producing commercials, okay. so that's my sort of line in there. Uh, so that's how I had to start working doing commercials, even if I did have my aim to do tra- drama series. But that was pretty quickly that I had that in my head. But I sort of you know just keep on working and see what happens so i aim for Jarovsky because they did commercials and drama series uh and they also did tv tv as we say yeah. uh which is you know uh tv shows or whatever so uh they had a kind of broad spectra of what they produced uh so i aim to 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 work with them and i yeah i i came to them 96 97 and uh, did commercials for them until 2000, so quite a few years.
1: And then started working on features.
2: Yeah, because because they were building up uh, at um, building up, and they had uh, Marianne Gray then that that came from the states. She had worked with PR there on 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 um, different features, and she didn't know how to produce. But we sort of teamed up. So she she found the books. Uh, uh, Lara Chente books, and then we teamed up and we produced it together. Can you can, you, can
1: we it? talk a little bit in detail how that actually happens, though? So, so you find the books. She's reading the books. She says these are great stories. These are worth producing. Mm-hmm. So then you go and reach out and you buy an option for those stories. Yeah, that's and, what you do.
2: You buy an option for the stories, and you start to develop.
1: And that's and that's the risk that the production company is taking at this point. You're, yeah. No one is no one is committed to buying these. You're you, you're just going to put this production together and start to sell it. At some point yeah so yeah. when do you go from optioning the books to start to talk to potential buyers for the films
2: um, pretty quickly yeah. you do uh, because you have a sort of short time there. You don't want to buy another option. You want to, if you bought an option for like a year or six months or whatever, you want to nail it as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you got the option, you start working with it and developing it. And maybe you contact, you yeah, you do contact a, a scriptwriter to sort so, of write a short synopsis. Mm-hmm. And then you go and pitch it to a, a TV station.
1: And when you're pitching it to the TV stations and mm-hmm. you're looking for their financial contribution to get the project done. Yeah. So you have the commitment.
2: At that time, we uh, we went right to SVT, and they paid for the whole thing. And, and how
1: does that work? I mean, I know there's, for example, I think it's going on right now, the Cannes Film Festival. Everyone is showing their wares. Yeah. Is there something similar in Scandinavia, or do you just knock on doors and say... Knock
2: on doors is it's really uh, the best, I think. I mean, there is, of course... Count is going on right now, as yeah. you said, and uh, I know we're down there with uh, my boss Irene Lindblad, who's been in this house before. Uh, she's down there selling uh, new projects and also Vorte or the restaurant mm. as it's called, uh, worldwide. Uh, the
1: restaurant that's going to be the English, yeah, station, that's the
2: English title of it, yeah. Uh, well, you meet the same people there, yeah, if you knock on the door here. So, I mean.
1: I always thought that was a little bit phony to go down to the south of France to meet people who are a couple blocks away. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun, but a little a little phony. Who's paying for this? I always wonder when that's happening. <laughs> okay, so you knock on the doors and you start selling the mm-hmm. Laura Trenter stories. Yeah. Are you deciding that you want to work with children as your way into features? I mean, I isn't there's no rule don't work with children no, or, or animals. No, <laughs> no,
2: but no no, I think it's easiest to work with children and animals. I don't follow that. Actually, okay. it's easier I, with them than actors sometimes. <laughs> and I'm a farmer as well, so
1: <laughs> no challenge.
2: Yeah, no there is a challenge. But you do a very specific casting. And when you do a specific casting for kids, the kids will work through the whole production. Uh, that's that's what I think yeah at this time we uh, approached SVT or Marianne approached SVT uh, in the very beginning and then I did the budgeting and and, and production planning and everything and we pre- pitched it again and at that time it went really pretty quickly and you did with th- SVT. you did three of her books yeah. Three and, of our
1: books. And do you pitch all of them as a as a package? Yeah. Or you went okay.
2: We did. We did. And uh, we decided then to have three different di- uh, three different um, directors. And we actually got nominated with this one. I don't know if you know, but we for uh, Emmy International Emmy. So we went there
1: for Debrina or Papa Police. Or De yeah.
2: Debrina. De or oh, the whole production, mm-hmm. really. I mean, you 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 apply or you, yeah, you apply to the to the uh, International Emmy with the whole with the whole series. Yeah.
1: Congratulations.
2: It, w- it was nominated. We didn't win yeah, that but time. That, we got nominated. It's nice to be it's nice
1: to be noticed, yeah. I would think. Yeah. I mean, it's, and I'm sure it's a very noisy category to even get nominated in. It
2: was it was uh, at that point uh the children categories was together with the big or the big categories. So for us, Mariana and me, first drama project and then going through the red carpet in in New York, it was like true? It was crazy. It was really good fun. It, <laughs> good start of the drama. <laughs> and it's
1: been straight upward for you since then.
2: Yes. Well, it's been going well. well I've been lucky to work with great projects.
1: So you, you, uh, tremendous projects, and and they're interesting. So so after the Laura Trenter trilogy, yeah, was it Laser Man that was your next yeah. big production? Yeah. How how did that come about? I mean, that was a newsworthy event. In Sweden, and mm-hmm. it's clear, okay, this is a story. Mm. But I'm sure everyone else was looking at doing that story at the same time. How does it end up that you guys get control?
2: Marianne was working together with a girl, a lady called Hillian Lindholm, who was her lektör, uh, reading through all the books. Uh, so she found that book, Hillian Lindholm. And uh, I was actually working with something else at that time. Uh, and then Marianne called me up and said, hey, we got this, you know. Uh, so we started to work again, buying the option, developing it, going to, to SVT, uh, approaching them, and they wanted it from the beginning. So it was pretty quick there to, to put it together. Yeah, is, is that
1: always your formula to work from a book? You never, do you ever buy a script uh, that's written directly for the film, for a film?
2: um i have worked with original scripts yeah. but at uh, jaroski and yellowbird they they as a company they they do adaptions mo- mostly mainly uh but jaroski now this is i mean this is uh when is this 2000 beginning of 2000 jaroski now is totally different different owners and different boss and everything so now it could be original script it could be a, buy a book or it could be whatever, you know, whatever's interesting to, to do a Syria or a, or a, no, I'm just thinking
1: a... the dynamic of, okay, you know, looking at all the books that are out there and always reading versus, oh, we have an idea we commission, this kind of a topic, mm. someone get someone to write this for me. Mm-hmm.
2: So. Yeah. that That's what happened with, that's what happened with the restaurant. If I understood your question yeah. right now, uh, that was, uh, or, or to the no, uh, that's original script. And, and, uh, uh, I worked with the original script before, like I think it's that one twice, but twice uh, or three times maybe. Yeah, or three of my projects has been one. The other one was at SVT when I was uh, taking some time off Jarowski because there was not so much to do at that time. So I I um, got headhunted, head, headhunted you could say or whatever, by Daniel Alfredson who was the drama boss at the SVT at that mm-hmm. point. So he took me in. At uh, SVT drama for two years, uh, and uh, at that, at SVT uh, we, I worked with the original original script.
1: What 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 titles?
2: That was mean for detta familj. I don't know that yeah. one. But no. it's in the. Uh, it was sent on SVT. Uh, it was a, um, three times sixty episodes. Three times 60. Yeah.
1: And then you get back to Jaworski, and you guys get your hands on the Stig Larsson rights. Yeah. Now that must have been exciting.
2: Yes, but before that I I actually, I did the, um, after after Laserman, I actually, if if you want to hear some personal stuff. Sure. uh, I was really tired uh, after that big production and also being so foolish of not, we were talking about having big production departments. Uh we had a, we, had, we were shooting a period, and then I saved a week for the summer because we needed some summer episodes. So what I did at that time, I said, oh, it's only a, a month shooting. You know, I could do this with skipping out of production manager. So uh, that was a little bit too much work at the time. And my kids, that was seven or eight or nine years old, I think, called me in the middle of the night saying, hey, mom, you haven't been home now for five days. Where are you? So I actually took a year off after Lasse Mandean.
1: That's a wake-up call, if ever there was one in the middle of the night. Mama, where are you?
2: Yeah, it was crazy. So I took a year off. It didn't turn out to be a year off because Daniel Alferson called me up and said, hey, you have this great script, and I think you will be the best line producer of this one. And we were shooting that one in the north of Sweden. So I actually had my office on a snowmobile, and uh, it was a a feature film called Vai. It was a fantastic Fantastic and fun production and we work with Sámi people and the locals up there in, in, in Valsjöbyn. It was excellent.
1: Do you ever bring your kids on set with you? Sometimes. To solve that a little bit?
2: Yeah, but you know, I'm... You're working. Yeah, I'm working so it's hard, but uh, they came up when I was working on this film, which was in, in the north of Sweden, lovely, beautiful countryside. I, I took them up there, yeah, for a week for okay, weekends. So,
1: so you're pulled out of your early retirement. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, and went on that movie, and then after that, uh, Marianne called again because she wanted to do another kids program, which was Habib. Habib, oh. Yeah, uh, so we did that. So you're was-
1: becoming a go-to kids producer at this point.
2: yeah. Went back. That's the fun of this job, you know, uh, to do either one project is really dead serious with the laser man and laser man and one is for the kids. And then then you go up to the north to do feature films with with yeah the locals up there. And then after that, you know, big, heavy uh, book title Millennium Series. So it's 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 so fun to do different. That's that what's make me going, you know, that that I have different projects all the time.
1: From Satsiki to men, some hot toquina. Yeah. It's a big jump.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh actually, you know, uh at that time I was working with producer Sören Starmus uh, and he said, Suzanne, you need to go on this job and and uh, please work with me together, well, I was at Yellowbird because we have merged. Jaroski has merged with Yellowbird, so so. Um, Yellowbird. Who is... did
1: the Akipirat? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you must read these books. And I thought these books were so boring. I started off reading the first one. Until I came to the middle, when I came to the middle, I couldn't stop reading. So it was just the first half was so boring. I was like, oh, this old man, blah, 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 here and there. And then it got really, after, after the half of the book, I was hooked. There's a story here. Yeah. <laughs> can, can,
1: can I ask, this is interesting to me, because we've had some other people up here who've had, been through the same phenomenon. Mm. You you guys put your all your effort into producing these three fantastic films that were really well received here, critically and financially, yeah. I assume. And then, you turn them over to someone else to remake. Mm. Are, uh, yeah, mm. What is that? What is that like? I mean, um, and, and, and are you guys involved in it? Is it? Are you involved in that deal? Is it? Is it's, Yellow Birdies. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
2: Yellow Birdies. So, so they will earn some more money for making a remake. Uh, for me, as just produced the whole thing. It's kind of yeah. Well, we'll see what they do, and. Uh, I'm not objective now, of course, but I've seen the first one. Uh, I liked the trailer, but I didn't <laughs> like the film. Fair <laughs> enough. I th- it's, of course, very well produced and all this, but but uh, I kind of like the original. Uh,
1: you, you see decisions that are made that you don't agree with? or just... Yeah.
2: It's just, you know, I, I still remember a few decisions that are a really little bit funny, is, and that is... If you look at the train station from where where they live in um, um, Henrik Vanger, where he lives, it looks like a Harry Potter station. It doesn't look like a Swedish old station. And if you get into the small cafes, this is now details, Mm, you know, you go into location. It looks more like a... Straight German coffee shop or something, not a Swedish Gen-
1: generic other. Yeah, not American.
2: Everything, yeah, sort of. But then again, I think they did. Yeah, um, uh, I lost the name now. Uh, the terrible lawyer, Uh, uh Our our Bureman is really good. It's Peter Anderson. But the 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 the, the, the costume of the American Biermann, I that was how I pictured him when I read the book. So I mean. Of course, it's well produced, but I know that that one costed like ten times more than all of our three ones. And
1: do you see that ten times more on the screen? Do you no, think? no, okay. for sure
2: not. And that's why, that's what HBO, and Netflix and, and and I, and also uh, American production companies should uh, really look at Sweden and and sort of you know maybe grab people from here and come and produce it your way.
1: They're starting to. We're seeing it happening. I'm just
2: waiting for the call.
1: I think there's some kind of a happy balance in there that sometimes you feel that a few dollars more might have made the difference. And and not just Swedish productions, but more local productions. And then you see that some of these American productions, are there's definitely overkill here involved. There's there's a sweet spot in there where the art is.
2: Yeah. And also, I mean... I guess a lot of money goes to uh, much higher wages to the American actors as well. But I, seeing how uh, the Dragon Tattoo was produced in Sweden, they were here shooting. I mean, they had, maybe we have like five prop people, they have 15 prop people. And because they sort of have so much bigger team, you have to have a it has to be bigger all the way around. It right. goes like circles. The location manager has to have more assistance and blah blah blah. So it grows and grows and grows. But I think I think we are really good in Scandinavia of producing good drama series. I mean, we have showed that for crime series for ages now. No and, question. And I, I just wish they would eye open or open their eyes to uh our costume drama, too, because we can. I mean, I'm, I'm really proud of of till nu. I think it's really good, and, and, and it looks like it cost a lot of money. But the 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 episode price for our series is like a normal crime drama in S- Stockholm, in Sweden.
1: Well, that's amazing that you pulled it off on that kind and, of a budget.
2: And it, it, I know it's said in the press that this is the biggest stora satsningen from SOT right now, and it is in the way that they did... Uh, commission two seasons at the same time, but the episode price is still not so high.
1: Commission two and have now commissioned a third as well. Yeah. yeah so that's where we're filming
2: right now. I'm and, on my way down. <laughs> and
1: and it's a co-production between SVT and via play, yeah. among others. That's an interesting phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Now that's something that probably wouldn't have happened a few years ago. No. And what does that mean for you as a producer? Is that is that all is that is that necessary for you to make this project that you needed both of those houses to come together to finance it? Yeah.
2: It was for sure, and I'm so happy. It's der uh, Vannebo and Irene uh, Linblad, Irene Linblad, who pulled this together, uh, I, and they were the first one who made this be come true in in Sweden. And now I think it's a few more uh, co-production producers have come together, but that was the first time.
1: Uh, and uh, that can't be an easy dance. Are you? pitching to both via Play and SVT are you the ones who bring them together or are they cooperating and looking for something?
2: It was it was Irene and Lasse uh, who put the dance together who said and, and, and SVT said, well no we cannot do this well then we have to pay more and they can't pay more so they uh, they were really good there Lasse and uh, Irene I think and, it's and the- I was so happy because I got the more money so we could you know pull off and get the green light.
1: It's and it shows in the success that this is a way forward. It's also in a, if we take a broader perspective, if the local regional players are going to compete with the Amazons and the Netflix, mm-hmm. it's going to require this kind of cooperation yeah. on the on the market level to sort For of stand sure. up and to do quality material that's going to compete. Yeah. So so vo- let's talk a little bit about Vortito New. Mm-hmm. So this is a scripted drama. Yeah. Who wrote it?
2: Uh, we have a group. We have a team. Uh, I, I need to tell you how we started because it's it's a man called Johan Rosalind. He is uh, he's in his late fifties, I think, um, over fifty-five anyway. And uh, yeah, he's he hasn't written any books or any scripts before, and he just sent in this idea to to SVT. I love
1: people who just do this who just yeah. reach out. Isn't it fantastic?
2: Yes. And, and the timing that I did it it was during the summer and there was not much income at the time and marlene Evander uh, who was working as a redacteur um, script editor at Swin- uh, at Stockholm at SVT at the time she picked it up and oh, this is interesting and you know we need to develop this and she went to her boss which was K- Christian Christian Vikander at that time and they, yeah this is interesting so they called him in and they started to work with him but he is not an experienced writer. So they put him together with another writer at the SVT and they did this synopsis, longer synopsis. And then they approached Ulf Kvensler, who is the head writer of this project, and Ulf Kvensler and Jarowski and me. And uh, we all really liked it. Um, so we had the head writer and Ulf and I started to pitch it as well. He started working with development and also we put together a writer's room because writing so many scripts, you need like a, a writer's room with, with at least three uh, writers, uh, script writers, like one head writer and two episode mm-hmm. writers. Uh, so, uh, so we started to work with it and develop it and I was also in the script room uh, during a long period. And at the same time I was scheduling up when we could make it, how we could produce it. Also connecting other people like a production designer also work together to put it, um, a mood uh, trailer a mood film yeah um is, cast, diff- is two- casting
1: starting at this point already or
2: no not no. so much a little bit but not No, not not so much um, more more really having everything in print of what we wanted to do and then also showing with visualizing you know with this um uh mood films mm-hmm. so to say we did two one over re- that we call the restaurant and then one uh that was more like with the family and and uh, and uh, yeah. And then we started to pitch to SVT. I mean, we already they came to us, but then they, of course, they need us to pitch it to them in a way. And you go up to the highest boss, programledningen, mm. and pitch to them. And then they said yes, and we got a green light from them. And at the same time, Irene and Lars Bo was working to get the. Uh, we were all working to get the finances. Is we have, mustn't forget that it's also Filmvest that are co-producer fine. of this. They put in a lot of money too. And uh, that's why I'm traveling down to Gothenburg. Gothenburg to do, okay. Yeah, because, because uh, if you get money from them, of course, you need to spend money down there.
1: Well, only fair. Yeah. It, it's it's great also that all this kind of support for the arts exists in Sweden. You don't have this in the States to the oh, same degree that you have here. So mm-hmm. it's really nice. I mm, think that yeah. uh, there's uh, Filmy Stockholm also. Yeah. The, who all contributing to these things. Melodalen uh, Stockholm, Yeah. In the states, I guess you have it. Basically, people, cities are competing with tax breaks for productions oh, against right. each other, and it's a race to the bottom. So mm-hmm. cities get nothing out of it at the end of the day. Mm. It's not not the right way to go. No.
2: So, so and at so, this time, I mean, we spend like five times what what they have put in. Nearly at. That's a negotiation, no. of course. It could be three times, four times, or five times. But so they do gain by 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 uh, by doing it this way because we are spending.
1: So you have the you you scripts coming together. You're putting together your mood films. You're out pitching it. Your financing comes together. Mm-hmm. Now the work starts. Now you have to put together a cast mm-hmm. and a crew. Mm-hmm. Your locations get all your sets right, and it's a period piece, so that must be a lot of detail work going on. Yeah. Uh, what's the challenge? I mean, you guys are going to try to cover two decades now Mm. in three years. Mm -hmm. That must be a real challenge for your cast, for example. You have a lot of young actors Mm -hmm. and actresses who are going to have to age dramatically. Mm -hmm. It's going to be fun to see how Charlie Gustafson looks 20 years older, for example. (laughs) How how are you handling those kind of things?
2: Well, when we did the casting, immediately when we sort of moved forward uh, in the development, we did start to to, to cast, um, but... uh, we, first, we got a development money for the script, and sort of in the end of that, we we did start to to do casting. And yes, uh, when we did casting, we had contact with the um, head of makeup, just to, to, you know, talk to her and say, hey, can we, how can you, do you have an idea how we can do this guy older, or would it be hard? Because
1: you have the whole story arc in your mind at this yeah. point. Okay. Yeah,
2: yeah. We we had it from the beginning, or you one actually had it from the beginning. Uh, the guy who was the what is it called the source the, of this? Yeah, oh. yeah.
1: Okay, so you're working with the with the makeup people from day one, so you have sort of future proofing when you're doing your casting.
2: Yeah, we we call them. Yeah, we had this big good connection with the head of makeup all the time, just to make sure that we could. And also, we decided that that. Um, that we we need to to find what age they could be to be you know to to play younger and older so i mean heda she's she's not 18 as she was or 20 as she was in the beginning she's a bit older she's 30. so that's the decision we made. Also, that they can sort of take the ones that are around thirty, so they can be younger Both and ways. older. Yeah, yeah.
1: It seems to have worked out really well so far.
2: Yeah, so far. We'll see what you think about the second period, um, second season. I'm
1: looking forward to, to seeing it. I mean, it's a it's a class journey. Yeah. It's an historical piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like. It starts with that kiss. You know the the and what do you, did you, were you part of the decision on that idea? I mean, because that's such an iconic image in almost every nation there's a kiss in Times square there's a kiss in paris I know. There's, a...
2: there's a one name for that and that's Marlene nevander Marlin nevander, Marlin okay. nevander she was the son she was the one who said it has to be a kiss and so she fighted for that one uh Marlin nevander was the one at, at the time actually found the project that when it came to svt then she followed the whole project so she has been a writer as well and now she's back to svt but she is still uh, very much involved with the third season she's the head writer of the two last uh two last episodes of so, season three so
1: you're heading down to gothenburg right now working on season three how far along are you
2: we are in the third week of shooting
1: so what does that mean two episodes an episode and a half
2: no uh... we we block them uh mm. so the first first block uh, which is now called Block Seven is episode uh, twenty one to twenty four. Okay. So it could be anything, any scenes from uh, twenty four or twenty one. So you st- that's that's how you try to do it in a budget-wise way to to uh, to do all the restaurant scenes, right? Whichever episode there are in a, in a row.
1: That's the planning, the producing. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) So uh, do you, I guess Vartito Nu is taking all of your attention.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Do you have something burning or on the bubbler for your next project? Anything you can talk
2: about? Nothing that I can talk about. What Uh, is this? No
1: one wants to talk about the future.
2: (laughs) I don't want to talk about it because maybe some other one will steal it, (laughs) you know? So. uh... Is it a ruthless business
1: or is it collegial?
2: It's hard for me to say because I do my projects at Jarowski, then I go home to my farm. I don't sort of, you know. Worry that. about the politics no, of the rest of No, no, no. I just do my projects and then I go home and I don't sort of uh, frotterar with other people. But uh, I mean, over the years, of course, you have colleagues, even producer colleagues that you talk with and and, and so on. But But it's kind of, I don't know. You just want to keep it to yourself and and, and and keep it to yourself and keep it to the group that you want to work with. Uh, fair and enough. Talk with the, with the directors or with the scriptwriters or whatever.
1: Yeah, uh, talking about it with other people doesn't matter. It doesn't make it happen. So I understand. Fair uh, enough. I respect that. I just think it's interesting. I have <laughs> a lot of performers as well. Yeah. Oh, I have something I want. I have a dream project, but I won't say it. No. Well, uh, how is it going to happen that you yeah, won't say it? It will
2: happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hopefully, yes.
2: Until you're sort of ready. You have the, all the options ready, you know, all the, the opponent. <laughs>
1: Uh, just as we wind up here, you said you your original ambition was to be a DOP. Yeah. Do you spend any time with the camera in your hands these days? No. No?
2: Only the mobile phone. Only the, well, <laughs> yeah. sure, you can shoot yeah. your films on that if
1: you find <laughs> yeah. it correctly.
2: Yeah. No.
1: Is is there, I ask everyone this, the difference between working on a feature film versus a series. Mm? Do you have a preference? Do you?
2: It's... Um... Only for me that I work with a smaller production team when it's only a film. That that point, it's usually just me and the the production manager. If it's if I'm not doing other stuff at the same time, maybe then I would have a bigger team. But if it if I'm only working with one feature film and it's only it it will be just me and the production manager usually uh if i work with Vortida the new i work with line producer production managers two production managers i have a post production manager so so the bigger uh, production team yeah
1: do you have less sense of control as a result of that no
2: i'm everywhere
1: okay she's nodding no for everyone listening at home.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry it's okay. i mean i mean <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm, that that's that was my problem before that I wanted to have so much control so I didn't let go. But now I learned to to, to you know no no you have to let go because other one but I sort of hoovering like I call it like a I'm hoovering like a helicopter and then I dive down if there's a problem there I dive down there and then I'm just trying to hoover around and be everywhere. Talk to the runner, talk to the chauffeur, talk to everyone, because that's how you keep the project sort of smooth and not going crazy keep the real pulse of what's going keep on keep the real pulse everyone on the toes also being happy being seen being being um yeah, doing their best. I mean, if you see people that do their best, if you hunt them down and just have a blame game, no one will do their best. Everybody will just be scared, and it's a bit too much of that in this business.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of money at stake, and the clock is always ticking. So I guess yeah. there's stress also. But that's but about being the nev- right manager.
2: Yeah, I should. You know, that you should never let stress. Uh, of course, I'm being stressed too. But but <clears throat> I've been to this. If you want something uh i've been to this different productions where you have the dop or the director or whoever being really punished be, to people that are sort of in, in in lower levels and they they just get scared and they they don't want know what to do when they they uh
1: they don't do a great job puts a chill on a whole ensemble and a whole production yeah. kind of behavior
2: management by fear is not good not anywhere no. not
1: anywhere um I, and you know you talk about both filmmaking and TV, you describe a very collaborative effort. Mm. The final output when you, like, Mm. from the first script ideas and the early writing concepts that you worked with, how close does the final project looked to what you had in your mind when you started reading those first pages?
2: Mm. It looks better than my vision, Ah. actually. I mean, we had such fantastic team. The production designer, Michael Higgins, is extremely good. The DOPs that we work with, Andreas Vessberg and Ola Magnestam, are super. I mean, this is what you say. Oh, we have such a great team. But we do. We have such an excellent team. So I think, you know... It looks even better than I could ever dream of. That's the management I
1: mean, management by letting go and letting people be experts in their field. Yeah. I have a vision, but I'm going to trust these professionals to yeah. put their spice on it and come out with something a little different, but a little better, hopefully, mm. at the end of the day.
2: And also, I mean, the, the wardrobe and the, the makeup, uh, Marie Flucht on, on wardrobe, and then directors, of course. I mean, Harald Hamrell is the conceptier on that, but then we had three ladies, Molly Hartlub... Uh, who I never worked with, but I wanted to work with since Hinse Hexan. She's super excellent and very sort of noga. Um, how would you say that in English at everything? Mm-hmm. She's very sort of, she has yeah, super control and extra. detail focus. Yes, very detail focus. And is it
1: the same cast and crew going through all three? Step- yes,
2: everyone wants to come back. Nice, super. We have, so of course, there are people that are getting pregnant and the stuff. So, yes. Such a long project, but but yeah, mainly. I mean, I I would say, ninety five percent.
1: Nice, because be I, I can imagine that's also a challenge. You don't know if there's a season three. Mm. Everyone involved in the production is looking for other opportunities because yeah. they don't know. And oh, by the way, we got it. Oh, sorry, uh-huh. I signed uh-huh. for something else.
2: Yeah, and um, yeah, the directors for the second season is Anna Sakrison and Andrea Östlund, and they have done a tremendous job as well. Super job. It's uh, yeah, I think you really enjoy it. All right, something it's, it's, to look uh, forward to for everybody. I have out a there. smile on my face. It's, uh, <laughs> she it's, does. <laughs> uh, it's not a lot of people that has uh, seen it yet, but we have started to show it now to actors, to the actors, and also, of course, to the producers. And everybody said, "Wow, could it be even better?" You know. So, yeah.
1: It seems right in time. I mean, it does feel like. It's time to move to costume pieces when I think of the success of something like The Crown right now, mm-hmm. for example, as a reference. So mm-hmm. hopefully we'll see more of this kind of production coming out of Sweden. As yeah. much as I love the Décoré Noir, we could do something else. Yeah. <laughs> a little change of pace. All right, Suzanne, we know you have to get busy. You have to get down to Gothenburg and finish season three of Vartida New, and uh, she'll not tell us about her secret project, but we'll keep our eyes open for what comes (laughs) next after (laughs) Vart Teeter New. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us.
2: Thank you so much, Brian. Thank you. Super.
1: Okay, so we all know what a Gillaroo is now. I'm always learning something. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I really had no idea what to expect when we invited Suzanne to come on the show, and I came away thoroughly impressed with her as a person and as a professional. Uh, once again, Vortid Nu won two Swedish Emmys since we recorded this interview. One for Best Drama, and a second for Best Female Actress in a Television Production that went to Hedda Stjernstedt for her portrayal of Nina. Season one of Vortid Nu is available exclusively on Via Play and season two will premiere shortly on Sverrius television. We'll be back next week when our guest will be Jens Hultan. Thanks for finding us. As always, you can reach out to us on Twitter, at Stream Closeup, and follow us there to keep up with what's going on. Jose Fernandez Alameda is our sonic architect, and I'd like to give special thanks to Sophie Forsell and Cecilia Hugvik for helping line up our guests. I'm your host, Brian Laffin. Thanks for joining us on another edition of Stream Close-Up. As always, we'd like to thank the good people at I Like Radio for giving us a home. See you next week. Take us out, Jose.